0: Over 130 residential schools operated in Canada. The first federal residential school began around 1883, the last closed in 1996. These schools, predominantly funded and operated by the government of Canada and Roman Catholic, Anglican, Methodist, Presbyterian, and United Churches, were created to enforce the adoption of European traditions, languages, and lifestyles by First Nations, Métis, and Inuit children. To better understand the history of these schools and what it meant to Indigenous communities, we invited residential school attendees and their families to share their stories and experiences. For some, these stories are a moment of healing. For others, a chance to talk about the history and the system. All are important to preserve for future generations. My name is Ryan Funk, and with my co-host Lisa Muswagon, we followed these stories for We Stand Together.
1: First of all, I'd like to ground myself. I have my eagle feather. I don't know if you can see me. This is one of the things that I normally do because this is a heavy uh, topic for me, and I've done it several times for um, Laurentian University. So I'd like to ground myself first, you know, like uh, with a smudge and a little prayer. <inaudible> Good morning, um, my name is uh, Martina Ozaomik, and I'm from Manitoulin Island, Wikwemkong. Uh At this time of my life, I'm in, uh, living in Sudbury uh, more so than than Wikwemkong. I do go home on weekends because that is my home. I have um, four children, two boys and two girls. One lives in Montana and the other, there's two that live in Manitoulin and in Wicumcum, and the other one is in the, here in Sudbury who is living with me at this time. I'll begin my story of uh, my residential school experience. I'll start by remembering the things that now today I remember. I was taken at the age of five And I was there for till I was 12. 1954 was when I was uh, taken. And uh, I didn't um, recall any of my memories of residential school for many years. It took me a long time to realize that I did go to residential school. And it was my mother that told me At the age of 17, she said, you went to residential school. I said, I didn't go to residential school. And she said, yeah, you did. You know, the Indian agent came and picked you up at the old farm where we used to live. So that started my memories of what my mother was sharing and I had to go to that school. I got married young and I asked my husband at the time to drive me there because I couldn't recall any of those memories that my mother was telling me. So when I went there, that's when I started, uh, you know, getting those memories. I was really trying to prepare prepare myself for this morning.
0: I understand. Take your time.
1: And when I started remembering, when my mother told me an Indian agent came and picked me up. Then I started remembering an old car, you know, coming up to the old farm. And uh, I didn't know why I was being put in that car. And uh, I could see my mom, and this is a memory I have, seeing her with a dress on and she had her apron on and she was standing there waving at me. And I didn't know where I was going. And uh, anyways, the way I went, and it was uh, to Spanish. Other memories started to creep up, you know, like uh, as I every time, I still go there now, but in the beginning when they had these uh, residential school gatherings, I couldn't even go. They had the first one and I couldn't even get myself to go because I was still in, um, I don't know, very angry, angry state. When my husband took me there, I started remembering many little things i remember being there getting my hair cut like in a like bangs and like this uh, very short and every every all of the children we all had the same kind of haircuts we were given uniform a purple like not a purple but a navy blue uniform a little little uniform and a white shirt and all the clothes that i had my mother had the uh, packed for me. I never saw those clothes again. And uh, so it was these clothes that were were uh, the uniform and the, the white shirt that I remember. And as uh, time went on, I remember, you know, that there were all these levels of floors and we slept on the top floor and I believe it's about the fourth floor on top, as I uh, can remember. On the main floor, like almost like in the basement part of the entrance of the back back area, we had little cubby holes and that's where we would put our anything that uh, was um, special to us, you know, if there was something that was uh, we did, you know, like a, a drawing or whatever, we would put it in our little cubby holes. But I remember these uh, nuns when I first got there. And I, this is a memory that came. And uh, the memory was, uh, you know, being given a number. And all my clothing had these n- numbers on the on the back of the collar, you know, like the, the, the back. They had the number and they knew who the clothing belonged to, I guess, when they were washed. I remember this was in the beginning of Walt Disney stuff. They made us walk quite a long distance and we were just uh, young children. We walked to Spanish, like the the town itself, and we went to this big building and they showed us, uh, you know, children's um, Walt Disney characters. I forget what it was, Roadrunner. I don't know, I forget what it was. But anyways, they showed uh, little clips of those uh, movies to us and that was my first time, you know, seeing something like that. As other memories uh, creeped up, one time and i'm not going to share every uh i just remember one time we were all lined up downstairs like before we could go up to the dormitory they call it we all had to strip our our under underpants under panties off and we would have to open it in front of this uh i don't know matriarch or nun and uh that men would look into our underwear and uh, and if you had a little bit of a stain, you'd, your ears would be pulled to one side and uh, put on one side of the room. And uh, everybody knew that you had little stain on your underwear. We were made to wash our underwear and it was very humiliating. There was so many um, things that happened, you know, to myself. And... Uh, I had to go through a lot of counseling in regards to my own personal spirit. I remember being made to, we all had to kneel down and say the rosary almost every night. And I don't know, you know, if we didn't say it properly, we would be strapped. And if we were ever caught speaking the language, we would be strapped for sure. So I had two sisters there. They took me aside because I always wanted to talk to my sisters, but they didn't want to acknowledge me as their sister at the time because uh, if we were caught talking and then we would be strapped. So my sister, older sister, she says, don't speak Nishnabem win. She says, and I said, Oh, I can't talk to you anymore. And and she said, No, you can't talk to me in this uh, Nishnabemwin. So that was very uh very sad for me and I became um not wanting to you know be with others you know like uh because of the I had to speak English I guess I was told but secretly my other sister she would take me aside and uh, she would speak to me in the, the when. but they were, they didn't stay there too long you know themselves I I was um I was there you know for the seven years that I was there and uh, I did talk to other ones you look from Miss Mississa that spoke the language at the time for myself every time every summer that I did go home I was ostracized for my siblings they would call me Jagnashi Kwens Jagnashi Kwens you know and that means white girl little white girl because I couldn't speak Nishnaab and when and so all these summers that I would go home, I'd try my darnest to speak the language. And uh, again, to, they gave me that nickname, Xangnashi Kwens. And throughout the years, you know, like I always felt like not, not part of my own family. And I did go home one time uh, in the summer and I saw the poverty of my own family. My, you know, my mother was in the hospital. My father must've been out somewhere and there was all these children and there was nothing in the house, but a crust of bread. And I soaked it, you know, so I could spoon feed every one of my siblings. And I thought, well, I'm better off where I was, better off in Spanish, you know, you know, like I kind of like embraced the, okay, I'm going back, you know, to Spanish. But when I was 12, this is when the, I don't know I just couldn't things happened there and I just couldn't go back and and my parents took me to Haunting, and they were trying to get me on the bus I cried so hard and I asked my mom she had the dress on and just trying to get me into I remember that flower printed dress she had on and that's another memory that came and I'm trying really hard not to not to go back to Spanish. And uh, anyways, my my crying must have really touched my father's heart. My father was very strict man. He says, let's just take that girl home, you know? And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, they're actually gonna not let me go there. And I was so thankful. And so I went home. But again, during that time, there was things that were happening in our communities, you know, like the alcohol. It was bring being brought in, you know. You, there was liquor store and all these things. So a dysfunctional life, you know, in, in my home, you know. So I I ran away and I went to stay with my um, two uncles and a and a grandmother that I just adopted, you know. While she was the the mother of these, uh, while I. Called them uncles, you know, because they have the same last name. And that's where I stayed, you know, for three years. As uh, time went on, like I would go once in a while to go home, but not too long. You know, I'd stay there and I went to Indian Day School. But as I think back, you know, the residential school in the Spanish, one time where I fell from the uh, fire escape, it was a like a, I don't know, a metal piece and you had to come down on this uh, fire escape. Anyways, I fell probably from the third floor. I I, uh, couldn't hang on to that because it was so cold and all the kids had to come down that fire escape. But I don't know for me, I don't know what happened. I fell and I landed on my back and then I was taken to Walford. I think it was there was a a doctor that I was uh, taken to. I ended up in the infirmary Uh, they call it an infirmary a nursing uh, where the the students that had injuries, they were put in that infirmary. I was there for a while and I could hear, you know, unusual things, you know, happening. The sisters and there was a priest that came in and things like that and the giggling and, you know, behind closed doors and I didn't know what was happening. Like, that was uh, such a terrible experience there in that infirmary for me. And I was so glad, you know, like I got out of there. Even at uh, at uh, nighttime, you know, I was so terrified of uh, falling asleep. Things would happen. And, uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, wetting the bed was uh, something that was happening to some of us and then we were made to wash the sheets and then hang them out the window. We would get ridicule, ridiculed by other, other classmates, you know, if this happened to us. I often think, why did I block that out of my memory? But it was so a terrible experience. I asked my mom one time, why did you send me there? In my early thirties, I went on a program to um to work on myself, to heal that inner child of myself, you know, that went through lots of trauma, you know, remembering these things, you know, every time I go there, there's another memory that comes, but I go there anyways, because like, I thought I'd be very strong to do this this morning, you know, like, uh, as I was thinking about, about this. I've done this presentation but that more in the, you know looking at the historical stuff that has happened to people the intergenerational effects and uh, i could see you know when we talk about intergenerational things i could see how as a parent of four children how i've uh, passed on my own i don't know the way the way that i raised there you know like in terms of cleanliness always cleaning as a young mother that's all i did was clean 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 and not even allow my children to make a mess because i was i don't know i would that's just the way it was in spanish we would uh, be made to scrub floors get on our knees and scrub the floor with the hard brushes and everybody would have a little patch to do all of these things you know even the I brought into my children's world. In the beginning of my parenting, I was always yelling at my children. And I wondered why, why am I doing this, you know, because uh, my children might uh, be afraid of me, you know, and those are the things that I faced, uh, you know, being afraid of these teachers. and, And so I was putting this on my children, you know, yelling at them. And so it was time When I realized that I was not a good parent by doing that, so I tried really hard to be a good parent. My kids were still young. Even one time, I and I always feel sorry for this. I made my little girl kneel in the corner of the room because she cut her brother's hair, and and I thought, how cruel can I be, you know, to make a little three-year-old girl. In the corner of a room, but those are the things that, as I was uh, made to do when I was in residential school, and I, and I always tell my my children, I'm sorry, you know, if I wasn't a very good parent, but they say, Mom, you changed, you changed over the years, and I said, Yes, I did, because you you all helped me get through this, and with all of. uh, the stuff I've been through with residential school and then uh, there was this money that was being sent to individuals, you know, about uh, the residential school money, IRS, uh, like the ones that went got 10000 and then there was 3000 for every year. But you had to make sure that people knew that you were there in all those years. And I didn't have time for researching, okay, oh, I remember this one. You know, maybe she can write me a letter. So those times, I think maybe, uh, and the records were lost in Spanish. So anyway, I, I um, didn't get the full amount, but that's okay. You know, I money isn't everything, you know? And so I think about all the things that I've lost in going there, my parenting skills, my uh, cultural things. When I was in my 20s, I started to think, you know, I didn't even like priests. I started to go to- towards my cultural uh, identity, finding out who I am as an Anishinaabekwe. So I turned away from the church and I sought out ceremonies and I all these things through. In my 20s, I took my children. And this is what has helped me out is in my identity, uh, the way our ancestors live is by going back to ceremony. Raising my kids that way has helped me get through all of this uh, stuff, you know, with the residential school, but also talking to my children, all the things that I I endured. You know, the loss of language was a big thing for me. But uh, in the time that when I got home, finally, at the age of 12, I was determined to to learn my language. And by living with my adopted grandmother, she only spoke the language. So I was able to get my language. But I remember every time that I came home during the summertime, my uncles would laugh at me because I guess I sounded, uh, you know, cute to them because I couldn't understand that some things were living and some things were not considered alive. I would say pass me the salt and then I used the wrong imperative, Bishwa zitagen. And they would start laughing you know things like that but i i understand now you know they you know how i must have sounded to try and relearn relearn the language throughout all those years there was one time that i was uh i went to one of the residential school uh gatherings and i was looking out the window i was really uh looking on the rocks there and then i could see myself as a young child, running up those rocks, even the, my uniform and, you know, wearing that. And there was a an indent of a, a rock and they placed the Virgin Mary there. So I remember seeing myself get on my knees and, you know, bow my head and make the sign of the cross. And and then I started getting up and started running, running up that hill. These things have, uh, these visions are or things that i come back into my memory it's okay you know because that inner child and myself have healed from from all the wounds that i have experienced there at that school i do uh, acknowledge the english language and how i was able to speak it when i came back but i couldn't find anybody that spoke the language and only one girl that was raised by her mom and dad And they only spoke English to this girl, like broken English. And uh, so she became my friend. And another girl that went to Spanish for a couple of years, she became my friend. That's how, you know, how it was when I think about all the other things, you know, like um, did the laundry. There was one native woman that worked there, Mrs. Cooper. She was always uh, friendly to all the little children. And uh, there was a, a certain room way down uh, maybe close to the boiler room or whatever they had a little room there and uh, my sister was telling me one time she heard our other middle sister old like but there was my sister uh there was two of them and the one in the middle between me and the older one she was taken in that room and holy geez did i ever cry you know listening to my older sister telling me they didn't know what was happening to her. And that sister there, the one in the middle, she died in Toronto at a very young age. Like, I think she was even like 20, 21. She drank a lot, you know, to probably to kill the pain. And we were made to work. We were made to work as young children at the on the farm. And we were, we were made to always kneel down and say these prayers, you know, till we remembered them. As years went by, the ones that were graduating, sometimes these uh, Native uh, young women would be kind of like a substitute aide or, you know, to the, nun, to the teacher. That was nice, you know, to see that happening, you know, like uh, with uh, a Native person, you know, helping with the classroom. Anyways, I always remember those Dick and Jane books. I kind of just laugh today when I hear that, uh, see Dick go up, you know, see Dick go down, these Dick and Jane books. Uh, and those were the things that we were made to to read. So I just kind of, um, I don't know, like uh, my experience there was not a very positive one. I know some of the students did get, uh, they felt, like it was a privilege to be going to school there but those became the pets of the nuns and they were given the probably some of those things that were in some of our suitcases that were brand new you know those are the things that the pets receive for being a good uh, good role model for them didn't speak the shtabemen but only english so i think of all the things i've um, gone through in my residential school the very first time I did this on Zoom, I had the same experience like what I'm experiencing now. How could this happen, you know, with uh, so many native children? And then I heard another story from one of my aunts that went there, and she said she saw one of the nuns coming with a young girl, and she had a little blanket, and something was wrapped in that blanket, and they were going into the incinerator. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, how could uh, someone do that kind of stuff and uh, burn a, a child? I think it was three years ago, I went on this water walk and this walk was coming from Garson to Spanish. And I thought, I'm going on that walk to heal my spirit and to I walked to Spanish. It was a good experience because not only was I walking for the water, but also walking for my spirit. That uh, you know the things that I remember and carry. It was so wonderful that we were able to do that ceremony that happened over there, and I was really happy that that happened because I uh, I think about all those uh, children that never made it home, and there was even some of the sad stories of. Uh, One girl, she was there at three years old. I didn't know that they were that young, but she was three years old when she was brought there with all her siblings. And this little girl never, ever waited home. When she got married, she was in the East Coast by then because she didn't know where she belonged. Finding her roots were from Wequemkong. And I thought, oh, and now at least uh, people from Wequemkong, the siblings, they know what happened to their sister. At
0: the beginning, you talked about grounding yourself with a feather and smudging. What is the significance
1: on my journey of uh, looking for what our ancestors uh, lived? You know how sacred the land, sacred the land is to them. How sacred the the animals and the plant, like the tree life and all the plants uh, here. We have medicines, and one of them is that sage. You know that I had uh, just lit here. And those have become things that um, have helped us because we're in connection with, with our ancestors. You know, when we think about this uh, universe, you know, like we are so grateful that the sun shines upon us every day and how the moon plays for all women. You know, we we go by that circle of the moon and the, the star life. We always go back to the star world. So I think about all these things of how important our sacred breath is, you know, the so much to be grateful for. And these are the things that have helped me on my journey, you know, in terms of recognizing. And eagle feathers are given to people. And I was given this one as a recognition, you know, for, for all the things that I do for the community. And so we carry our feathers in that good way, you know, because when we hold that feather, you know, it's a telling of the, the walk that we have gone through, you know, and the walk that uh, we're on our journey right now. And it talks about truth, you know, and that's why I hold this feather, my truth of my journey of residential school. I thought I was very well prepared for this morning. And in terms of, uh, you know, getting my smudge ready, I didn't think I was going to, it was going to affect me. It happens, you know, sometimes.
0: U Multicultural is located on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji-Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the national homeland of the Red River Metis.